Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. I am back after taking a little break last week. Joining me is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Yeah, hello, Luke. And also joining us it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning. So in the FA Trophy, uh, quite a few shocks around in the end. Uh, most notably at Yeovil, Needham Markin point off uh, probably the shock of the day, beating Yeovil on penalties. Yeovil, of course, who had their day in the sun last week in the FA Cup, but uh, ultimately it didn't work out for them. No, it didn't, Luke, and uh, what a remarkable penalty shootout it was as well. I mean, it went on for ages, didn't it? You would have had to book in for bed and breakfast, I think, if you were at that one. Uh, but fantastic from Needham Market. I mean, what a journey as as well to to, to go down there and, and beat Yeovil. And they were behind in the game as well. They came back to, to level. So, um, you know, fantastic for them. And no one's going to want to take the trip to Needham Market. I mean, <laughs> I heard a lot of the, the, the press guys talking yesterday about some of the teams still left in the competition and uh, some of the teams that are bloody in the nose of, of higher level opposition and some of the long journeys that are still in there as well. And uh, Needham Market are, are certainly up there and a yeah, fantastic win for them. Do you know Rob scored against them? He's not mentioned it. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, I, I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, another mammoth penalty shoot. I was between Alverton and Halifax. It finished one-one in normal time. There was twelve penalties, and only uh, half of them, over half of them, were missed in the end. But it was Halifax who prevailed eventually. Yeah, ultimately Halifax go through. I think that's the second round in a, in a row where they've um, got through on, on penalties, having beaten Bradford Park, haven't you, in the last round. Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done, doesn't it? And and, and that would that was a tricky tie yesterday away at Alfreton. You know, they are um, just outside the playoff places in National League North. Um, Billy Heath, against his old team would have no doubt been hugely motivated to try and um, take them down a peg or two. Although I imagine he's still got a lot of friends at the club that, you know, when, when the game starts, Billy Heath's not the kind of guy who lets friendships get in the way of getting three points or, or a victory. Um, and so, yeah, Halifax have done really well to come through in that one yesterday after uh, finishing one, one after 90 minutes. I know another game that you pointed out Dickie at the time and eventually Boreham Wood prevailed on penalties against Maidstone. That was 1-1 after 90 minutes. Michael Phillips equalised for Maidstone after last week's FA Cup hero Tyrone Marsh had put them ahead. Phillips then missed in the shootout and ultimately Boreham Wood prevailed, but they were given a, given a scare by an informed Maidstone. Yeah, they were. And it's this, I guess it's this, a little bit of this role reversal, isn't it? You know, Boreham Wood going into their FA Cup game against Wimbledon last week, as much as people perhaps thought there could be an upset there. They are still the underdogs, you know, and yes, they're a full-time side, but but Wimbledon playing a a couple of divisions ahead of them. When the roles are reversed and, you know, you're you're the ones who are expected to go through, it's how well you can um, retain your your focus and and, and keep your eyes on what needs to be done. You know, Boreham would have got, um, you know, an FA Cup fourth round tie to, to look forward to. And, and, yeah, it was difficult for them. And as I say, Maidstone levelled in the second half. Um, you'd have thought 
the, you know, the possibility the upset was on there, but ultimately, again, they've held their nerve in a penalty shootout and gone through. At the, at the risk of sounding like a cliche, um, you know, they're doing well in cup competitions. They're going to have a lot of games coming up um, at Boreham Wood. And what they really want is to, is to get promotion. You know, I heard a lot of interviews last week when the, the FA Cup was on about that. And, um, you know, fair play for him to, to prevailing in that one. But they are going to be starting to play Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday for a, for a long time now. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that impacts on the league form. And also, they've not got a big squad, have they, Boreham They tend to operate with quite a small squad, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, fair play for him for pulling through against uh, Maidstone yesterday, albeit on penalties. Another team he prevailed on penalties uh, were Tunbridge Angels, who added more woe to Kings Lynn. Again, that was 1-1 after 90 minutes. Josh Barrett put Kings Lynn ahead, but Tommy Wood equalised seven minutes from time for the Angels and Tunbridge were excellent from the spot. They scored all five penalties. Michael Clooney missed the first penalty and ultimately that proved Kingsley's downfall and, and the misery continues, Chris. It does, doesn't it? Um, and uh, we were just talking about Halifax then who, who came through in a, in a tight encounter there with, with uh, Alfreton and that sort of thing happens, doesn't it? When, you, when you're doing well, you, you're at the higher reaches of the league and you, you end up winning games like that and the flip side is Kings Lynn can't win games like that. And talking about that Halifax game where loads and loads of penalties were missed in this one, as you say, there was only one miss. They were absolutely bob on yesterday with the penalties down there, apart from that that early miss by by Clunan. And uh, yeah, Kings Lynn, um, it's a difficult one, the FA Trophy, isn't it? Because some sides see it as a little bit of an inconvenience, let's be honest. And some sides um, see it as, as something that if you start winning your trophy games, it puts you on a roll. It's a chance for to give players who might not be playing in the first team in the uh, in the league a chance. Um, so it'd be interesting to see um, how Kings Lynn view this one. But I think once you get into the heat of battle and once you get a crowd behind you and that sort of thing, you do ultimately want to go through. So uh, it'll be a disappointing one, that one. The other uh, game we had an eye on, Dickie, didn't we? It was a fantastic game up in the northeast. A long trip up the A1 for Boston. Ultimately, it proved fruitless. In, in front of the watching, uh, Jonathan Van Tam, who's just uh, obviously been in the news this week, and he will have been treated to an excellent seven-goal affair, but the wrong end of it for his side. Yeah, he will. Um, I don't know if he's actually got his eyes on the Boston United job, but I would suggest it's their defence that needs some work if, uh, if if that's what he wants to sit down and interview and tell them. Yeah, I mean, this game swung back and forth, back and forth. Sounded like an, an absolute cracker of a game to be at. Um, Boston led to Jake Wright Jr. Then they, they went 2-1 behind. They scored two really quickly just before the half-time interval to go with 3-2 up at, at half-time. Um, but yeah, then conceded um, twice more and, 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 and go out of the competition 4-3. And it's got to be a huge disappointment for them. You know, Paul Green's still in, in caretaker charge there. Um, we assume they're moving towards um, finding a replacement for Craig Elliott. But whoever takes over hasn't got the, uh, the, the Philip of taking over a team that are still in the FA Trophy, unfortunately. It's just the league that they've got to go for now. Maybe that will suit them, um, given what their ambitions are. But nobody wants to go out of a competition, do they? You know, it, it still hurts the day after when you look at that, particularly when you look at the scoreline and see how many times you've led in that game and you've not been held on to it. it, it whether that is suggestive of, of a little bit of the 
the, the, the mentality at the moment at Boston. Who knows? But um, yeah, whoever goes in there has got something to work with, but they've also got plenty of work to do. Chris, we know from uh, obviously watching a lot of Step 3, Morpeth, they're in a bit of a false position in the league at the minute. They are a really strong side though, aren't they? Yeah, they're a very decent side. They've got uh, they've got a good backing uh, behind them as well. It's a difficult place to go. So I must admit, when I saw that one, you know, when you look at it and you think uh, lower division opposition beat higher level opposition and it's a shock, that one wasn't that big of a shock um, to me, although Morpeth are um, sort of struggling a little bit in their division. But as you say, uh, yeah, a bit of a false false um, position. What I would like to say is, uh, Mr. Van Tam, if you do listen to the NL full-time podcast, you are welcome. There's always a spot for you on a, on a Sunday morning on, on the podcast. So uh, get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. We'd uh, we'd certainly second that. Oh, I'd second that. And, and anyway, uh, we could have. We won't ask you much about the, the general pandemic. We'll ask you more about Boston United if that's a sweetener to get you on. Uh, another massive shock as well, which has jumped out at me, is St Albans losing three 0 at home to Chesson. Chesson who play at Step Three as well, but St Albans going well in the National League South, although they have had a bit of a wobble recently, been a bit out of form, but that's a real eye-opener, that one. It was nil-nil at half-time as well. Reese Beckles opened the scoring, and then two from former Geisley striker Rowan Lybird saw off, uh, saw off the Saints in the end. Yeah, they did, didn't they? And um, I'll be honest, I don't know much about Chesant. <laughs> Is that how you say it, Luke? Yes, yeah, Chesant, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I do know a lot about Lybird. Uh, he got a couple in that game, and he was a... He was a fantastic player, big, strong striker uh, there. And I think when you when you say Albans and you look at a team sheet and you come across people like that, you think, oh, right, OK, um, this could be a difficult game uh, this afternoon. But, you know, that is a battering. That's, um, that's a, it borders on, is it embarrassing when you get beaten 3-0 at home by low-level opposition? I can imagine yeah. a, few of the, uh, a few of the faithful in the, in the crowd were maybe a little bit disappointed about that one. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, they would be, I think. Uh, definitely down at Clarence Park. Uh, another game which was really interesting, I know we had him on a couple of weeks ago, Scotty Davis, as Slough went up to York. And uh, I know off uh, off recording, he said to you, Dickie, what, what do we need to do? How do, how can we stop York? And you said, we'll stop Kurt Willoughby. Well, they did that, but they didn't stop Clayton Donaldson. And he ultimately got the only goal. Yeah, he did. It was just a just a, a, a one goal in it for York, and 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 maybe York have. Uh, it, it's maybe just suggestive of the direction they're heading in at the moment. In there, they seem to be getting, um, you know, the one nil home wins, whether it be in the league, whether it be in the trophy, that that just mean that you progress on to the following week, and you know, uh, perhaps as an indicator of whether John Askey's um, got them going in in the right direction. It. it I don't know in terms of how um, pleasing on the eye it might be, and that, that's not a criticism of John Askey's football or anything like that, but I think the situation that they were in, I think York needed results more than performances, to be uh, perfectly honest. And and it appears that that's what they're getting. Yeah, they're into the last 16. Um, York have won this trophy, of course, um, and they... I don't know. It's a bit of a double-edged sword for them. I think as much as Wembley and an FA Trophy final win can give you some, uh, you know, great days out, it does also serve as a reminder to York City that they're in non-league football, which, as we all know, is not where they like to be reminded that they are. Um, but yeah, another step closer to Wembley for them. Um, disappointment for Slough, you know, they they uh, one nil. 
it feels like they've gone there and, and given it a reasonable shot, but in the end, it's not been enough. Yeah, and, and talking of uh, being not far from Wembley, I know that's something Anthony Johnson said afterwards in his post-match interview. There were only three games from Wembley. They saw off uh, Plymouth Parkway in probably what is the longest trip in this season's FA Trophy. Tom Bath looked like they were going to cause an upset and it looked like they were going to head back down to the southwest with a victory. And Spending had to leave it late. They scored three goals in five minutes uh, to eventually see them through. Yeah, I mean, what a trip that is. <laughs> what are we looking at? About 400 miles or something like that for that I one? think 800 miles round trip was what I saw it quoted as, yeah. Yeah, that is that is some effort. And certainly going 1-0 up, you think you, you're going through. On 84 minutes, those uh, Plymouth Parkway fans who, who actually made that journey would be... Um, will be pretty happy. But then three goals in the space of only a few minutes, really. The first goal came on 85. That's uh, that's unbelievable, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I haven't spoken yet about um, the job that, that they've got on their hands there up, up at Spennymore. But I think they've, uh, it's a really good uh, managerial appointment. That well, What I really enjoy when I when I look at, look at Spennymore teams is that the names are so familiar. They like to stick... With uh, you know tried and tested guys, and obviously Glenn Taylor, you got Robbie Ramshaw and stuff like that getting on the score sheet there, and you know Spennymore are a team uh, that could go a long way in this. I'm just looking at the teams that are left at the, in the competition. There are some teams from lower levels who are progressing. With you know we've spoken about it. Spennymore is is going to be a place that not many mm. teams are going to want to travel to. I was just and thinking that. Sorry, Chris, I was just thinking that you've got the likes of Wrexham, Stockport, Notts County. That'd be a, a dream tie for Spennymore, wouldn't it? And, it? and they wouldn't be, they wouldn't fancy it either, would they? So it'd be a tough trip for them. No, they've got the tails up at the minute as well. And uh, it's going to be a difficult one, that. And, you know, you'd love to see, uh, from a from a neutral point of view, you would love to see Spennymore doing well in this competition, wouldn't you? It, there'd be a bit of history if they did. we were to progress all the way. Uh, and win a final. Uh, their, their previous FA Bars final winners, of course, on the on on route to where they are now in National League North. Jason Ainsley took them to a, an FA Bars final victory, which is commemorated on uh, on outside of the ground. Uh, I know one thing about Bernard Morley and Anthony Johnson. When they were in charge at Chester, I think Anthony Johnson would periodically give over his Twitter feed to sort of invite questions from people every now and again um, in moments of boredom, I think. And I think somebody once asked him, they said, if you could sign any other player from a National League North team, and he said Glenn Taylor from Spennymore. So now he's got the opportunity to work with him. So, you know, they, they, he's clearly a player they admires, and, and, and um, now he's getting to, 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 to see him close up. Yeah, and of course the the manage, they're now managing at an English club, aren't they? After uh, after taking oh, <laughs> oh no, let's not get let's not get into that. We'll not get into that. There's already enough. Uh... Feel free to cut that one, Luke. Don't no, I'm leaving it. that. I'm leaving that in now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're not getting into the politics of that on here. It's a very sticky situation at Chester. Um, talking of a, a well-shied Wrexham, they comfortably beat Folkestone in the end in, the, in what was a late kickoff so that they could stream it because obviously it was behind closed doors and, and it didn't sort of break the 3pm blackout. Comfortable victory for them. couple of goals for Jordan Ponticelli, Jordan Davis, Brian Hosanna and Kwame Thomas got on the score sheet there. There's a comfortable victory as well for Solihull Moors away at Southport, a hat trick from Andrew Dallas, and as Dicky commented yesterday, Dallas does more. 
Or was it Dallas to Solihull? Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, it was Dallas to Southport, I think. Oh, that was it, yeah. Way. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, that's good for Andrew Dallas. He's not found himself a permanent place in that Solihull Moors side yet. So a, a hat-trick yesterday will, will press his claims for inclusion on a more regular basis, I would have thought. A victory as well for Dagenham over at Southend. Uh, Darfur beat Weymouth by a goal to nil. Notts County beat Eastley 2-1 in the all National League ties and Bromley beat Aldershot by two goals to nil. And it was a really interesting game. You were at Chris. Um, it was Stockport County at home to a team I'd never heard of before. I thought it was a TV programme, Lark Hall, but uh, they ultimately brushed them aside. Yeah, they did. I mean, I was happy for my friends in uh, non-league circles, including on this podcast, to give me a bit of information about Lark Hall. Um, but I certainly uh, saw them yesterday and I was really impressed with them. I mean, they could have gone 1-0 up after seven minutes at, at Edgeley Park. And if they had gone 1-0 up, uh, there was sort of a guilt-edged opportunity that was just stayed wide by uh, by their striker. Then it could have been a different game. Connor Jennings went up and scored two minutes late and then got another one about 20 minutes after that. And then, in fairness, it was plain sailing for, for Stockport after that. But uh, for the first 10 15 minutes, it was a real blood and thunder game. They, You know when sometimes lower league, lower league sides come and they sit, they sit everyone back and they hope to hit on the break? They didn't do that at all. They really came out of the blocks. Um, so fair play to them. They had uh, 169 away fans, Lark Hall, all the way up from Somerset. Uh, I was speaking to the manager at the end of the game and he said, we only normally average 150 at home. So this was this was an absolute, uh, absolutely fantastic. But for Stockport, they made 10 changes. And um, when you look at that side, you still think that would be a strong National League side, even with 10 changes. A uh, young lad called Scott Holding from the academy, the academy captain came on. And I've given him man of the match in my non-league paper report because I tell you what, this guy is going to have a career in front of him. He was absolutely fantastic. You know, when you see someone and they're just assured, he was leading the defence in his in his debut game at Edgeley Park in front of three and a half thousand people. So uh, put that one down. That's a name to look out for in the future. Absolutely. Remember the name, as somebody once famously said. <laughs> right. Let's move on now and look at the National League. So, let's talk about you. Actually, let's talk about me, just for a bit, because I was like you. In 40-odd years, I hadn't done much exercise, but I knew I had to start. So, I got the Couch to 5K app. From not being able to run for more than a minute, nine weeks later, I was running for half an hour. It's simple, it's free, and it's all planned out. With a little support, it's amazing what your body can do. Join thousands of monthly users. Download the free 1U Couch to 5K app now because there's only one you. And in the National League, only three games, but uh, same old story for Chesterfield. And that's a really good win, that, because Barnet have been in good form, haven't they? But they've brushed them aside. They've got a quasi Santi back, and it was uh, him and Shimangru did the damage, as well as a, a late goal from uh, Jeff King as well. Yeah, the... They're almost looking unstoppable, I think, Chesterfield, aren't they? I was looking at that from afar at the at the scores, and you see that that Barnet have drawn recently. They've had um, they drew against uh, Boreham Wood as well, so they're, they're playing well against the good teams in the last couple of matches. And you look at that at half time, and you think this is going to be difficult for Chesterfield, and then they go and score four after half time in in what I believe was just a. Yeah, barrage. It was the from all reports, it was just an unbelievable second half performance that that they put on there. And, and you know, 
are they unstoppable? They're certainly looking unstoppable. And when you've got guys like Shimanga and Asante as well, who who were, who were just uh, hanging round ready to score, they look uh, they're pretty formidable at the moment. Yeah, Dickie, yeah, I, I mean, do... sorry, I was going to say, you've seen Aquasi Asante a lot, haven't you? And um, he's been out injured for a while. Shimanga's been scoring the goals. Uh, but now he's back, it just makes him even more formidable. Yeah, he does now. I was kind of looking at that one. I think that there's probably just as much disappointment um, in the Chesterfield camp about the fact that they conceded a goal so late on. Otherwise, it would have been a clean sheet, you know, knowing the type of person that James Rowe is. I would think that, that, that coming away from there with a clean sheet when, you know, you've got four goals in the bag and 90 minutes on the clock. Um, uh, it's just a small blot on the copybook there. That's just as, you know, how, how big a perfectionist he is, I think, that he would want that. I saw a comment from Dean Brennan, um, the general manager at Barnet, afterwards who said words along the lines of, without a doubt, that Chesterfield are the best team that Barnet have played in the National League so far this season. Um, uh, yeah, <clears throat> all the managers are saying it. You know, the, the table doesn't lie. They're top. They're going to take some stopping. Yeah, and it's such a tight division. Halifax went back top on Tuesday evening. They beat Grinsby Town and, and they're clear by a point of Chesterfield. Chesterfield have two games in hand. Bournemouth are in third. They've got three games in hand. They're five points behind. But as we mentioned, they're still in two competitions, the FA Cup and the FA Trophy. But again, they've conceded less goals than Chesterfield. You've got Notts County just behind them with Bromley. They're both on 41 points. And then obviously you can't rule out Stockport and Wrexham with the form they're on. It's difficult to call. You've got five or six teams who could win this division. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a cracking last, uh, last half of the season, isn't it? Looking at that, you've got um, you've got Yeovil who are five points adrift of Solihull in uh, the tenth and eleventh. That seems to be the cutoff, and you would say that any one of those ten teams, I mean, it'd be a you know Solihull and Grimsby are, are over ten points behind Halifax now, but you would still say that any one of those ten teams could earn promotion. Maybe not win the win the title, but certainly earn promotion. And it's a it's a fantastic league this season. It really is. Most exciting title racing years, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you have to since, get that since last year at the, the as a minimum. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think no, um, but there's more teams involved than last year. There was only two teams, I think, really last year, wasn't there? Um, I don't know. Just trying to think back, but um, I mean, it was around about this point last year that I think Hartlepool started to put together that tremendous unbeaten run they had that ultimately carried them um, through to success via the playoff final. So, you know, that that's the marker laid down for somebody, isn't it, now, is to, you know, go on that kind of unbeaten run now when it really, really matters. Yeah, just a shame there's not three promotion places, eh, guys? Well, yeah, well, again, let's not get into politics, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Grinsby, they've stopped the rot of their recent bad run. They got a good 2-0 win over Altrincham. Two really good goals, one from John McAtee and then a beautiful curling effort from Jordan Maguire. Grew, drew even, start off Altrincham, who were on a little bad run themselves and there's a bit of grumbles and discontent amongst the Alti fan base. Been a lot of changes there as well, you know, players going in and out. But a welcome win for Grinsby and Paul Hurst. Yeah, that's huge for Grimsby. That is such a big victory. Um, they would have fancied the chances, um, as you said, as you mentioned, that Altrincham had been in a, a bad run. They got absolutely spanked in midweek against uh, Stockport. Um, so, if Grimsby were going to 
get back on track. I think this was the game that they would have targeted, and at half time they would have been um, a little bit worried uh, until those until that goal came, came uh, just after half time by uh, by McAtee, as you mentioned, and. Um, you know, they're not out of it. If they can put a run together, we've seen at the start of the season, they were really mean in terms of a defensive wise. Um, they can keep clean sheets. They can, uh, they can nick one nillers. And that's what was, was happening when they were playing well. Uh, so they'll be just as pleased, I think, with the clean sheet as, uh, as the victory there yesterday. Massive result for Wheelstone. They moved 13 points of Kingsland, who are second bottom. It was looking shaky for a while for them. They were losing at half-time thanks to an Alvi Pavey goal for Dover. They got two goals in the second half through Connor Stevens and Ashley Charles and Wheelstone. Can we uh, can we say they're safe now, do you think, already? Um, no. I, uh, I don't think you can categorically say that because anyone can go on a bad run. You only need, uh, you only need Weymouth to put in... Uh, put in a decent run of form or, um, you know, and then Maidenhead win, win some games. But it's certainly looking like a gap there, isn't it? The, the bottom four to me, uh, it looks like uh, three of the bottom four, well, Dover uh, are gone already, uh, in fairness. Um, but it's certainly looking like three of the bottom four to me. But you can never be too sure uh, in this division. Um, and just talking about Dover... You've they won't want pity, but you feel so sorry for them, don't you? They were they were win, leading that game. I don't think they've won a, a, a league game now for something like two years. Um, obviously, they um, didn't play a lot of last season. For and again, we won't get into politics because <laughs> you've told me that a few times already <laughs> today. But uh, going going one nil up and um, deep into the game, you think they're going to get the first victory, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen for them. Yeah, well, yesterday myself and Dickie were at uh, were at Stafford watching Hyde, watching my beloved Hyde, and Dickie was kindly helping me out on the media side. So after the game, we uh, we had a little chat and did the National League North roundup. The big thing out with today's National League North results are four, three out of the top four. One because obviously Brackley's game at Chester was called off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Gateshead have taken the opportunity to uh, close the gap on Brackley a bit at the top. It was five points before um, the games today, but they've narrowed that gap down to three. Goals in the second half. Uh, away at Hereford, got them a 2-0 win. Jack Hunter and Sedwin Scott with the goals there. And uh, yeah, Gateshead have got the opportunity to go top on Tuesday night when they host Telford United. Yeah, they've got that game in hand, of course. And uh... No hangover for Kidderminster after their brilliant win last week. They won. Uh, they came from behind to beat Farnsley midweek and they won 1-0 at Darlington today. Yeah, they did. They left it very, very late into the third minute of injury time before Marcus Dinanga, who's joined them on loan from Altrincham, uh, popped up with a late header uh, to send them all the way back down to Worcestershire. Happy. I know um, that it won't be a welcome sight for Darlington fans. I remember him scoring a hat-trick for Telford there. In, in the second half after coming off the substitute bench a couple of years ago. So he's the absolute bane of, uh, of Darlington uh, every time he faces them. Yeah, I mean, credit to Kidderminster, though. It would have been easier for them to, you know, have been distracted over what happened last week. It would, and I, I think, you know, I thought to myself, as, in as much as everybody was, you know, enjoying the scenes last week, when you put yourself in Russell Penn's shoes, you've got to think, you know, he's looking ahead and going, yeah, you look at this FA Cup tie that we've got with West Ham coming up. He's obviously going to be a big focus of attention. But if you look at how many games in hand they've got in the league, 
you know, they've still got a shot of, of actually winning the title, I would say, mm. Kidderminster. Um, and, and so the measure of, of the squad that he's got and the players and the focus that they have is going to be these mm. next few games. And yeah, they, they beat Farsley Celtic 2-1 um, on Tuesday night with a slightly weakened lineup as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, he gave a couple of other players a chance. Ethan Fremantle got the goal there. And um, yeah, and they've turned around another victory today. Yeah, and you mentioned Gates that I saw the midweek as well. They won at Bradford Park, haven't you? The big thing about the top four is the, the teams who have all got good budgets, teams who can go out and strengthen, especially in two of them, Gateshead and Kidderminster, have, have got that through the FA Cup run and filed or another one, and they won 2 0 at Leamington. Yeah, they did. Um, they, a 2 0 win today, and, and you know the, the curse of the X happening there. Sam Osborne, who was signed by Filed. Uh, from Leamington in the in the transfer window last January, cost around fifty thousand pounds. He got the goal that set them on their way today, uh, away at the Phillips Community Stadium. And Alec Whitmore, the file captain, got the second in the sixty third minute to make it safe. Down at the bottom, a big result: uh, Blythe beating Gloucester by two goals to nil. Yeah, that's a really really big win for Blythe. I think that's something like their third home win uh, on the spin. And you know, if, if Blythe are going to survive in this league. Then, then making Croft Park a difficult place to to come to, it has to be part of it today. And they've, you know, they've starting to do that under boss Terry Mitchell. JJ O'Donnell on target from them again. He's been a, an outstanding acquisition, although brought into the club by the previous manager Michael Nelson. And then Connor Thompson, he's been getting a few goals lately as well. He got the second with just ten minutes of the game to go. And yeah, it's an awful long road trip back from Gloucester this evening with with nothing to show for it. But uh, yeah, you got to commend Blythe Spartans. Yeah, another. Long, uh, team to have a long trip back at Kurz and they lost 3-0 away at Ketterin they also had a man sent off uh, Callum Powell who's been really good for him you think uh, he might be having suitors but I know he's played at a high level with Wrexham before but you may well be having National League teams looking at him yeah but I think you know Powell's one of the the, the players he was certainly shining in the early part of the season maybe just gone off the boil a little bit but looks to be coming back into it now he's two goals today in the 20th and the 76th minute um, uh, and then a goal from Cooper in the 86th minute to make it safe that was came just after uh, Kurz National had Matt Challoner dismissed mm. so um, yeah that's not great news for Adam Lakeland there um, he's got to prepare to do without him for a suspension and the only game on there, of course, that was called off was Chester against Brackley. Again, we won't go into the situation. You've seen it in the news. But uh, I know you mentioned quickly, uh, Dickie, it was, um, it's been a trying week for Chester, hasn't it, without going into the politics of it all? Yeah, it has. I mean, I, I think they've become the focus of a lot of very unwelcome attention, really. And I think they've batted as much of it back um, as well as they can um, in the circumstances uh, I, as I mentioned yesterday, you know, it's it's not the people who run Chester Football Club now and the supporters trust. It wasn't their decision to build the ground that was right on the border between England and Wales. And, you know, could anybody have predicted pandemic? We didn't know that there was going to be a separate Welsh assembly at that point and they would have different rules between England and Wales. Um, there's just so many things that have happened since then. But, you know, it's, it is a difficult time for them and whatever the rights and wrongs of it are you don't want to see people's football club being being penalized yeah i i mean from an outsider looking in i know i had a little joke about it before but it it, it seems to me like it's a it's almost a bit of uh, voyeurism if you like looking and, and and just laughing and and what is just a it's just such an unfortunate situation isn't it really i mean 
everyone's seen the picture where the border actually is. It's crazy, but you, the, the facts of the matter, you can't deny that the club is situated where it is and, and, and there are rules that they're, they're going to have to abide by. But I don't think, I think real football fans will wish them all the best, won't they? And, and hope that they can, uh, they, they can work through this because it's, uh, it's such a, an, an unfortunate situation that they find themselves in. And, you know, let's hope that, that things improve in the, in the wider world and it won't be a problem soon. So last Monday evening, I saw Bradford Park MU take on Gateshead. Really impressive performance from Gateshead. They went back to second with a 4-2 win over Bradford Park Avenue. And after the game, I caught up with the Bradford Park Avenue boss, Mark Bauer. So Mark, a 4-2 defeat in the end, was it all lost in the first half? Uh, well, yeah, yes and no, because at 3-0 down at half-time against a really good side, I thought that was the case. But then, obviously, you get a couple of goals start the second half and completely changes the uh, complex of the game. But didn't manage to see out sort of 10 minutes after we scored and, and allowed them to score again. Poor goal from, although I did think they were a blatant foul on Brad Doherty when clearing the corner. Um, but second phase comes back in our box and we didn't d- deal with it. And then at 4-2, I think, you know, they probably looked... To be perfectly honest, they probably looked a little bit more like scoring than we did. So, uh, really good side. You know, a lot of respect for them. I think they're very, very good. Best we've played this season, and um, we just we just gave them a bit of a leg up first half, and you know, goals that we probably um, not gifted to them, but you know, we could do a lot better with those and, and prevent those. Yeah, second goal came, and you probably just needed to keep it tight, and you considered the third one more or less straight away, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, the second goal, to be fair, you know, it's a bit of a lucky ricochet out. It comes to the lad, but his finishes, you know, you got all your hands up with that one. Probably more di- disappointed with the first and the third ones, how, mm. how we've, um, you know, we've not, not sn- smelt danger and, and we've allowed them to get in dangerous areas and, and finish. So, yeah, even at 2 0, you know, so you stay in game and take your medicine while you're under pressure. If we can get in at 2 0 and then we have the start to the second half that we have, then different game. But no, we didn't manage to do that. And, you know, tougher or second game in three days, part-time team against against a full-time team. They've been able to make a few changes as well. I think they just look that little bit fresher, a little bit sharper than us. Obviously, their, their quality shone through as well. I was going to say, after the effort you put in on Saturday, do you think it maybe paid the price a little bit tonight then? Yeah, possibly. You know, we had to make a few changes, lost lost a couple of lads that we were expecting to play as well. So it, it made it a little bit more difficult for us. But, you know, that's... That's um, that's how we choose to do it. We can play Mondays or Wednesdays, and we decide to play Monday um, as opposed to Wednesday being a bit close to Saturday. And and probably on this occasion, it's just caught short. But it's it's worked for us in the past, and we've dealt with it okay. And I'm glad to kept going. You know, we didn't look out on our feet towards the end. We you know kept going, and um, yeah, just just I think they had too much quality for us on on the night. Yeah, there was a couple of eyebrows raised when Brad Duckett was on the bench. Was it injury or was it just a case of because you had two games in two days? Yeah, Brad Brad was um, out on his feet last 20 minutes on Saturday and we're very, very wary of the fact that we don't want to lose him to injury. You know, he's had little hamstring niggles in the past and, and we were we were hoping that we could try and keep it you know a little bit tight and, and, and have him affect the game a little bit later on as he, as he did. Um, so, yeah, it was more looking after Brad rather than anything to be overly worried about. Yeah, you had a nice little run before you came in tonight. You had like three games unbeat and obviously it's a case of starting that again now, isn't it? Yeah, we've been doing okay. I think we lost two in nine coming into the game tonight and um, you know, we've been involved in a few tight games. We've, we've been a little bit unfortunate against some of the teams that we played in and around as well. We should have beaten them when we've ended up drawing. Um, 
you know, tonight we're up against one of the one of the best teams in the league that'll be right up there come the end of the season. Um, we know it's going to be tough in in these games. Um, you know, in that spell where we've where we've lost lost three and ten, you know, two of Brackley and, and Gateshead. So we've done well against the teams in the round, has competed really well. We found it a little bit tougher when we've come up against a better quality. Um, but you know, one thing that you can rely on is the lads will always go to the end, and, and they certainly did that tonight. Well, let's move on and have a quick look at the National League South. And in the National League South, Dickie, I know we always seem to talk about Oxford City. They were they're at the top, and once they hit the top, they seem to have got the wobbles a little bit. Another defeat on Saturday, this time at home to lowly Billy Ricky. Move off the bottom now. Yeah, I mean that's a hugely unexpected result. Um, uh, uh, there is there's an element of the top spot does seem to be a bit of a, a hot potato in National League South, in that nobody seems to really want to claim it um, for themselves. Nobody can seem to hold on to it. Um, and yeah, having having gone to the top of the table, um, you wouldn't expect Oxford City to go down to to a defeat to the team bottom at the start of the day but uh, it, I suppose it just shows again that you know you have to be competitive every single day you can't take your eye off things um, you can't just you know Billericay fighting for their lives aren't they you know they're not gonna um, as a minimum you would expect they're gonna go there and try hard and and make it difficult um, and, and when you're at the top of the table you know you've, 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 you've got to learn to expect that from visiting teams. Yeah, Oxford City, it's uh, one win now in their last five. Billericay on uh, not a bad little run of form. That's their um, first win in five, but the last three games before that have been draws and this Shaquille Colthurst has been scoring in the last couple of games for them as well and a familiar name to him, Femi Akin one day. He got, he got the winner ultimately. So they leapfrog Braintree. They're now two points clear of them. And talking of Dorking, they're on a fantastic run. Uh, they are now top of the division after you know, a lot of people's favourites at the start of the season. They had a really slow start, but uh, they won 2-1 away at Tom's Hampton and Richmond Borough. Uh, all the goals were in the, the first half. Wes Fogden ultimately scoring a second goal. And uh, Mark White's not been quite as uh, vocal as he's kind of just let the football do the talking as it over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has. And that's what... Um... That's six wins out of seven now, so they're on an absolutely uh, cracking streak there. And six wins out of seven, or you could say um, seven wins out of nine as well. So they're they're absolutely flying. And when you get a team who are on such a steam train like that, you just want to keep them going. I wonder why maybe whether you know Mark White, who's he's he's took his team up the divisions. He's uh, he's been outspoken in the past. He spoke a lot during the the sort of COVID situation and and things like that. I wonder whether he's just looking at it and thinking, right, okay, now's the time that we really mean business. Let's just get the head down and and get working. And and they are battering, so they're scoring a lot of goals. I know they they came from behind to beat Hampton and Richmond yesterday, but. You've got eight nils in there. They're scoring four goals regularly. They're, they're absolutely flying. And um, who would bet against them, eh, for for, uh, for champions this season? Absolutely not. I mean, it's tight. Maystone or what, uh, what I was saying, that abs will ebbs fleet. A bit further down the table, Eastbourne, they beat Hungerford by five goals to two. And Charlie Kendall got on the score sheet again. He got two goals. That's 10 goals in six games now. He's only 21. He was at QPR as a youngster. And you feel that football league clubs or national league clubs may just be casting an eye down to the south coast. Might need an east ball, maybe just be getting a bit nervous that they may well lose him. He'll, he'll be on the radar, undoubtedly. You know, if you're scoring goals at, at any kind of decent level, you will be on, on clubs' radars. Um, 
and and you know and that's the uh, you know the upside to a team like Eastbourne Borough discovering somebody like uh, Kendall is that the downside is you know that the, the chances are you're only going to have him for a short time if he if he continues that sort of trajectory, and it depends. You know, if if a club from the professional ranks comes in for him, you don't want to deny lads another opportunity at that. Um, when when perhaps you know they've they've dropped down from academy football when they were eighteen, not not quite made it through. But um, yeah, I suppose the message for Eastbourne fans at the moment would be, you know, just enjoy the moment, enjoy whilst he's there, and if that continues, great. Um, if it doesn't, you hope they've got him um, t- tied to a, a, a decent enough deal whereby they get some compensation for him. Yeah, down at the bottom, it finished Chelmsford nil, Welling nil, which did neither side either good, but it keeps Chelmsford's nice little unbeaten run going, although they had Christian Frimpong sent off in stoppage time. And uh, the other game in the National League South was Hemel Hempstead. They claimed a good win over Bath by three goals to one, both sides in mid-table. So, But Hemel Hempstead will obviously be the happier of the two sides. Uh, Chris, Dickie, thank you very much for joining us. Yep. Cheers, Luke. Uh, have a great week, everyone. Um, we'll be back next week to review all the National League games. Have a great week and we'll see you all very soon.